Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is a progressive entrepreneur. He has been one of the leading advocates for the earned income tax credit. He founded Working Hero Pack, a people-powered political organization to support elected leaders and candidates who champion policies that will help end poverty. He is co-founder of Aspiration.com, an online financial company built for everyone. Aspiration serves people at the heart of their financial lives, their banking account, and a trust-based model that empowers people to choose whatever fee they think is fair, even zero, and enables them to bank, invest, and spend in accordance with their values. Their approach, Aspiration's approach, has made it the fastest growing 
and most beloved consumer financial company in America. He's also a leading investor in a number of industry changing companies, including Blue Apron, the largest fresh meal kit company in the United States, and Ivy, Ivy, the leading social university. He also serves on the board of the Sierra Club Foundation, on the board of trustees of the University of California Riverside School of Public Policy and the Economic Innovation Group and the Jefferson Awards Foundation, which engages over 1 million young people each year in volunteerism and public service. Joining us now is that progressive entrepreneur, Joe Sandberg. Joe, how are you, buddy? You know, not that well. Just enraged and heartbroken about what's happening in the United States, obviously. For some people, this is new information, but for Black Americans, this is just what's been going on for, for decades and centuries. And um, I just I feel an incredibly heavy heart and a lot of anger. Do, are you finding, uh, I, I know I've been hearing from friends, uh, some of my white friends even, are you finding that more um, w- decent white folk like you are more enraged than ever before and more frustrated and, you know, just really worked up about this. I, and I think it actually began with the Arbery video. But but what about you? Is that is that happening enough with people who don't look like me? Or should it be happening even more? What, what do you think? Well, I think it's too soon to know. Uh, the rhetoric is good from white people, but the proof is going to be in their actions and how they vote. Yeah. You know, we know for decades, white people say the right thing, but then when they're in the privacy of the voting booth, vote a different way. We cannot turn a new chapter um, until we have political change and change of law. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's too soon to tell. You know, and hearing you say that makes me think, and I, I hate to be pessimistic, pessimistic, but was sobering is those white children were killed in Sandy Hook. And we didn't do anything, you know. It, it, so something is wrong when when we keep seeing these kinds of things happen. I mean, we're talking about George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery right now, but how many things have happened over the past less than ten years that where there's this outrage and then we don't do nothing? That's, uh, exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. And I think that you know, as FDR said to um, his generation that they were called to rendezvous with history. I think similarly, millennials and Gen Z also have a rendezvous with history, which is, will we finally break from the past of good rhetoric, but no action to finally change our systems and institutions and root out the infection of racism in them? And ultimately, this is going to be on millennials and Gen Z to fix. That, I think, is their unique rendezvous with history. Yeah, yeah. And, and that definitely has to be has to be looked at. Dude, so so we, we're talking about the heavy lift of folks finally voting and acting right and taking action on racism. And then you throw something else into the game. You saying we need $25 minimum wage. That's right. I, Joe, so I'm, I'm gonna tell you, man, that's a, <laughs> we, we ask a, a people to do a lot. Uh, but hey, uh, what, what, well, let's go into the reasons for that. First of all, of course, I mean, we, we hadn't, you and I haven't said anything about the pandemic yet. That's still going on. The people who are on the front line of the pandemic are making any money. 
and are being paid well at all. So some of that, and we talk about $25 minimum wage, folks, Joe says, we run around five for 15. No, he says five for 25. Yes. Well, to your point about the people who are on the front lines of the pandemic, or really is it nursing assistants make a median wage of $14 and 25 cents an hour. So what does it say about our values and our economy if the people we're relying on to take care of our friends and family when they're in the hospital with COVID are, are making a, a below living wage? Yeah. And, you know, to your point, um, first of all, we have to honor the incredible leadership of Fight for 15. Fight for 15 was inaugurated, though, in 2012. So $15 in 2012 means something very different than $15 today in 2020. And I think that the Fight for 25 is just a natural extension of the Fight for 15. We have to negotiate from a place of strength, not a place of compromise. Would I settle for a minimum wage of $23? Of course. But rarely are you going to get what you ask for, so you better ask for more than what you'd settle for. Right, right, right. That's a good point. We asked for 25 Maybe we'll, we'll get somewhere in there. Um, and Lord knows that a lot of the people who aren't even frontline workers but who have lost their jobs in this pandemic, and are gonna to have to come back and find jobs and get caught up. Some of them involved in these rebellions we've been seeing around the country since these shootings, because there is that economic frustration as well. Um, $25 would make a big difference in all of those lives, wouldn't it? Well, you're right. And let's also keep in mind, $25 minimum wage is just putting the minimum wage back to where it should have been. This is a really important step for everyone to remember. If the minimum wage had grown with productivity growth since 1960, it would be $22.50 today. So $25 is not an aggressive ask. It's simply putting the minimum wage back in line with historic trends. So tell us more about that, because I'm, I'm sure that might go over some heads. What do you mean I'm actually really entitled to $22.50? Talk to us about the growth of productivity and, and what's happened since 1960. Yeah. So economic growth is, is basically consisting of two things. One thing is the amount of stuff, services, goods that are produced per person. Uh -huh. Second thing is the number of persons. So you multiply the stuff produced by person and um, by the number of persons and you get total economic growth. So what's happened in uh, the last um, 60 years, since 1960, is that persons are individually producing more and more and more and more. We've become a ton more productive, right? And they, um, the workers are not sharing in the economic output they're creating in the same way the CEOs are sharing. So in 1960, there was a certain balance between the amount of that economic pie that CEOs would take and the workers would take. Over the last 60 years, that pie has gone more and more and more to CEOs and less and less and less to workers. So if you think about a trend line of the annual growth of that pie, if um, the share of that pie to workers and CEOs had stayed in constant balance over the last 60 years, then workers would be making a minimum wage of $22.50 today. Instead, what's happened though, is CEOs and executives have taken more and more and more of that pie well, workers get less and less. So as a consequence, we have a situation where the minimum wage is $7.25 and the ratio of CEO to worker pay is like 5,000. Whereas it used to be like 30. You know, that's 
how much more does the CEO make than the lowest paid worker at the company? And no one's suggesting that the CEO or the founder of the company should make more money. You know, I think we all celebrate um, achievement and, and producing um, things in our economy, but there has to be a balance. The CEO doesn't need to make 5,000 times or 2,000 times or even 200 times more than the lowest paid worker. And, um, you know, the way it used to be is uh, it was like 30 times. How did that happen? Well, first of all, you all hear that. Do you realize that all of you, all of us, have been producing more than we've been getting paid for? We've all been working harder, producing stuff. Uh, and it's kind of a double thing, isn't it, Joe? Because we're, we're working as producers, but also as consumers. Yes. So we're not, we're consuming what we produce. We're, we're working harder to produce more, not getting paid enough to spend what we're not getting paid enough on the stuff that we work so hard to produce. And as a result of that, the amount of debt that consumers have taken out over the last 60 years has gone straight up. And so think about this really sick economic picture where we've asked workers to produce more and more. We've given workers a smaller share of what they produce in the form of wages. But so that workers can still buy the things they produce, we've encouraged them to take on more and more and more debt. That, that, that's, how did, can you talk, walk us through how it got to this point where the CEOs started to increase in terms of their intake and ours never caught up? Were people asleep at the wheel or, or what? Absolutely, people have been asleep at the wheel, both political parties. And, you know, I, I fault the Democratic Party in some senses more than the Republican Party. We know what we're going to get from the right wing party. But we're supposed to get worker protection and advocacy from the party on the left. And for the last 60 years, the Democratic Party has fallen way short of its responsibility to workers. There's a whole buffet of ingredients that have contributed to this imbalance. They include tax policies that favor CEOs and um, frankly create all these incentives to invest in equipment instead of people. This is a big one that pisses me off. You know, we have a tax code that rewards businesses for investing in more capital, buying more machines. You get all kinds of tax deductions. Isn't it weird though that we've never created a system where companies get rewarded for investing in their workers? You know, with the same logic that we've used to justify tax breaks for buying capital equipment. Why couldn't we give companies tax breaks for hiring people and paying them a bigger wage? And this goes to the $25 minimum wage point. As you can imagine, some people have said, well, you know, how can a small business afford a $25 minimum wage? And the, the truth is, of course, that big monopolies are going to have a way easier time affording a $25 minimum wage than a business with five employees. That doesn't mean, though, that a $25 minimum wage is the wrong answer. What it means is we should create a system where we subsidize the ability of small and medium-sized businesses to pay a minimum wage of 25 bucks, And we make the monopolies and big corporations, obviously, pay on their own for 25 Does anyone doubt, and pick your big corporation in the S&P 500, does anyone doubt that any of those companies can pay a $25 minimum wage? Of course they can. Right. Of course. So let's make them pay a $25 minimum wage and then give subsidies and tax breaks to small businesses so that they can easily afford a $25 minimum wage. 
of course, some are pushing pushing back against your proposal, saying that um, uh, uh, it it would hurt business, that it would be a business killer. Like, but well, they said about fifteen dollar one, so I know what they say about yours. Uh, so, uh, give us the counter argument. Well, first of all, there's just no evidence that it's a business killer. Look at the places in America that have been on the forward edge of increasing the minimum wage. These are some of the fastest growing economies in the country. Seattle, Arizona, California, the whole state of Washington are examples of places that have a higher, much higher minimum wage than the national average. And the evidence has been the opposite, which is as you put more money in the hands of workers, they spend money at businesses that then have more sales and then need to hire more workers. I mean, you don't need a degree in economics to figure this out. We have a consumption economy. So if people have more money to buy things, then businesses will hire more people and pay more wages and you create a virtuous cycle. And if people don't have any money to buy things, you're going to have a pretty sluggish economy. So, I mean, that, that obviously makes perfect sense. What do the, the opponents not get about that? What do businesses not get about that? Why don't they see that they would actually make even more money? Well, the answer depends on what kind of business. I think that um, giant corporations um, don't want to pay a higher wage because that is going to cut into their profitability and the dividends and returns they make to shareholders. It's very simply born of selfishness. And I think small businesses want to pay a $25 minimum wage, but face financial struggles to do so. I mean, we have to be super clear. It is a different ball of wax if you're a business with five people than if you're a business with $10 billion of profit, right? Mm -hmm. But we can come up with a way to make the $25 minimum wage work for everyone. Again, for the big companies with billions of dollars of profit, they don't need any help. Make them pay a $25 minimum wage. Make them pay a $30 minimum wage potentially. And then on the same hand, we can be precise with our public policy to small businesses. We can say, we're going to give you subsidies to make it easier for you to afford a twenty-five dollar wage. I mean, it's it's not it doesn't take that much extra, um, you know, consideration to create these different layers. But the opponents of a twenty-five dollar minimum wage, they immediately go to, you know, why you can't instead of figuring out how we can. Amazing. Um, how, what? Where's the political will that is standing with you? Are there members of Congress um, with you? Has Joe Biden, have you talked to him? Has he weighed in on this? I mean, is, is Speaker Pelosi, uh, is anyone saying, hey, I'm with Joe on $25 yet? Well, first of all, the people are. Of course, right. Eight out of 10 Americans who live paycheck to paycheck are. And ultimately, political change in our nation has never happened first from the politicians. It always happens from the people who end up moving the politicians to make great change. You go back to the advances we made in civil and economic rights in the 1960s. Politicians followed the movement of the people. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was the reason that we got so many of these advances, even though he wasn't in Congress voting or he wasn't the president signing the law. He was the one who sparked the movement that forced the politicians to take the action. And so I think the first and foremost course is making sure that people are activated and demand this of their politicians. Now, I think there are a lot of elected officials who are open-minded to the idea of a $25 minimum wage. Um, not necessarily the ones in leadership, but um, perhaps uh, kind of next generation uh, people. Um, so stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. 
hopefully so. You know, uh, that needs, this is something that needs to happen. Yes. Um, why, what is it, who is pulling the strings? Let me ask it this way. The pulling the strings that would create a political will and environment where it is preferable for the average American to be in debt rather than make enough money to, to spend even more on what they can afford from their own pocket. What, what, what is that? What's this debt thing? And, and who's really, who's, who's the, the wizard behind the curtain is saying, okay, y'all got to stay in debt. Well, it's cynical, but the reality is um, the established power interests, um, whether it's intentional or unintentional, benefit when we're all in debt because when we're all in debt, are we truly free? Mm. You know, we have at least some of us um, have freedom from, but as everyone is being reminded, black Americans don't have freedom from. Mm -hmm. And then as far as freedom to, very few of us have any freedom to. So white Americans might have the freedom from being uh, abused by the police and white Americans might have the freedom from physical oppression, but very few Americans have the freedom to economic freedom. And it's this debt that constricts us from having economic freedom. Now, first and foremost, we need to get at least the freedom from for everyone. Um, but once we've achieved freedom from, we also have to get freedom to. And, and, you know, at the end of his life, obviously Dr. King was so focused on economic justice and ending poverty because he understood that you can have the right to vote, but, and you can go into a store if it's desegregated, but if you don't have any money to buy the goods, that mm. isn't your freedom. Mm. 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 So they'll let you sit at the lunch counter, but if you don't have money to buy the food they're serving, really have you fulfilled the promise of freedom? Freedom from versus freedom to. I like that, Joe. That'll preach. You know, I'm a preach. I might steal that. Uh, I, that, that's that's a, that's a heck of a statement. I mean, I, if you promote that, I think people need to understand that um, you know we often get turned away from our absence of freedom too. How many Americans have freedom too? Very, very few. Yeah, yeah. And debt um, keeps us from that. Right, right, right. Um, now that's 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 very very interesting. I have for years now I've stopped using the term working class I say working poor is that is that an accurate statement well I think it's accurate um you know kind of just to compare notes the way I think about it is we have uh, the oligarchy we have the upper middle class we have the poor and we have the extremely poor because the reality is uh, if eight out of ten people are living paycheck to paycheck there's no middle class. So I think if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're one of those eight out of 10 Americans who wakes up in the middle of the night, not knowing how you're going to pay your medical bills, you're poor. If you're homeless, then you're extremely poor. If you're living in a mansion and have three cars, you're upper middle class or rich, if you will. And then there's the oligarchs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Folks, we got to fight for 25. How, how's the movement going? Are we, are we beginning to build a movement? 
on the ground. I mean, I know it's tough with a pandemic and, you know, what is turning out to be a, a, a genocide on another level going on. But but where are we in terms of getting off the ground, building a movement and a fight for 25? You know, I can tell you, I've been incredibly encouraged and energized by the response to it. Joy Reid had me on uh, her AM Joy show last Sunday and, um, you know, devoted a solid 10 minutes to the, the fight for 25. Um, you know, I've been really encouraged by the interest and demand for the issue. So, you know, we face a hell of a time right now, um, especially black Americans, but all we can do is keep trying. And my favorite Dr. King speech is from um, his unfulfilled dream speech in 1968. And he has a line in it that I think about literally every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And he said, one of the great agonies of life is we are constantly trying to finish that which is unfinishable. We are commanded to do that. And I think it's so meaningful to unpack each of those words that we are commanded to continue to try, even in the face of overwhelming fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And it's so many times the work seems unfinishable but the commandment of God that Dr. King was conveying to us is that we are commanded to try. Amen. That's, that, that's real. If there were a $25 minimum wage, what impact do you think that would have on many of the African-Americans we're seeing across the country rebelling and rebelling against the police, but also uh, really rebelling against the conditions in their lives, which keep them impoverished and working poor and riddled with debt. What would that $25 do? Well, it would do a lot, but it wouldn't do everything. You can't have economic justice without racial justice, and you can't have racial justice without economic justice. So if we had a $25 minimum wage, but we don't root out the systematic racism in our police departments. We're going to still have black people killed. They're just going to have more money in their pockets when they're killed. And so a $25 minimum wage is necessary, but it's not enough. We have to fight for true systematic reform to root out racism from our institutions. So uh, before we go, I think it'd be prudent, though, because I mentioned it. I'm sure some people are like, Mark, get him to talk about that. Tell us about aspiration and, and what that is and how people, you know, can, can get involved in that. Well, thanks for asking. Aspiration is a place where you can do online banking. So we have online banking accounts. And what's special about aspiration is that we make it easy for you to match your values and your money. What a lot of people don't know is what their money is doing while they're asleep. If your money is one of the big banks, the bank uses your money to make loans to companies. And at the big banks, they're making loans to companies like fossil fuel companies, private prison companies, and gun companies. So the mission of Aspiration and its, its business case to potential customers is have the great banking account that you need. You have to have a banking account. The truth is you probably don't like the banking account where you're getting it right now. So why not have a banking account that has the financial features you need and gives you the peace of mind of knowing your money is never let out to those industries that are doing so much bad in the world, like fossil fuel, guns, and prisons. Yeah, yeah. Um, website for Aspiration, in case people want to find out more. and Aspiration.com. Aspiration.com. Joe, it's a pleasure to meet you and chat with you. And uh, as I always say to people, I, I, I host this show, but 
uh, I'm not on air 24 hours a day. Those other 23 hours, I like to organize and activate and mobilize. So whatever I can do, however I may be of service in pushing in this fight for 25, count on me, man. Let me know, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. All right, Joe. Pleasure to meet you. But Joe Sandberg, folks, at Aspiration.com. Let's get engaged in the fight for 25. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.